Let's do it. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. I'm your host, Alex, in Los Angeles with my best person, Megan. Hey, buddy. Um, Thanks for joining me today. Also joining us today in Northern California, it's Ez and Sarah and the movie Frozen 2. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Let's go into the unknown. (laughs) Um, It's nice that you have some princesses doing some cold babysitting for you. Uh, It's one princess and one queen. Oh, I haven't actually seen the second one. Good for her. She, you know, she worked really hard for that. Well, I mean, not not to not to spoil it. She actually became a queen in the first one. Yeah, it's oh, like the very accurate. beginning. Kind of made oh, really? Yeah, that's the coronation. Look, do we shouldn't? I I have I have three days worth of frozen material. If we want to go there, I don't think you need to apologize for spoiling a movie Alex said he saw. <laughs> <laughs> it's extremely polite. The beginning of the movie. <laughs> Oh, I don't remember that at all. But the rock trolls were there, and there's a donkey. What? Oh, there's what? there's there's not no, a donkey. No donkey. I think you're going to be now. <laughs> all right. Anyway, <laughs> clearly I need some better babysitting myself. Also joining us in Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. Hey, hey. Boopity doopity. <laughs> and also recently promoted to Queen in Los Angeles, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Boy, hello. <laughs> that was great <laughs> it's so good to have all of you together i know that um a lot of things in the world have been made worse by the virus but our attendance on this show is consistently better so yeah. top notch people are really getting a lot of extra host out of this this program you're so. welcome and i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> i do like that we have the new um uh, uh new york catchphrase boobity doobity which is canon also so that's Classic New York catchphrase. Everybody's been saying it since the lockdown. I haven't seen public. any of everybody, but I imagine they're all saying boopity doopity. Everybody <laughs> in this studio, you know. <laughs> we are uh, talking about season 17, episode six of Top Chef, titled officially Get Your Fill. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. As in yeah does harmonic. anyone know why they got rid of the harmonic? Like, they, no one said harmonic. No one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um, why, but rant. it does fit better on like banners, like the lamppost banners they put up yeah. uh, across yeah, the city. That's, yeah, that's true. And I think yeah. it's like hipper, younger for the millennial Philharmonic fan. <laughs> Who's Phil? You know, I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. LA Phil, Boston Pops. Let's go with like, you know, New York Philharmonic Orchestra. Like, well, Philharmonic let's, let's stretch it out. Orchestra. You know? yeah. yeah. Chris, it's like 50 cents a letter. So I don't know. Well, L.A. Phil, got it. <laughs> well, isn't the New York? Isn't the New York Met? Yeah, the New York yeah. Metropolitan Opera. Yeah, <laughs> that was a pretty good regional burn, though. That he knew that that was solid. Um, we are uh, talking about this because this episode has a lot to do with symphonies. But first, let's get into our quick fire. Um, the chefs uh, have to create a dish using non-wheat flours, and there's no immunity, and the winner gets five thousand dollars instead. And and this challenge was fun. Uh, um, because it really had a dividing line between half of the chefs, I thought. So you have a pile of all the alternative flowers, and half the chefs tried to recreate a thing normally, but then replace the flower, and half of them were like, oh, I just know a recipe that uses this flower naturally. 
Yes. Yeah. Or you're Gregory and you've been dabbling in alternative flowers for 10 years. 10 years. He's, he runs marathons, ultra marathons. Ultra marathons. Ultra marathons. He was like 22, but I, what am I going to do with the rest of the day? Yeah. Gregory has the resting heartbeat of like an untouched riverbed. Like he's just the most <laughs> pure individual. I don't understand what is going on. I mean, I, I do. It's all very good. Yeah. Congratulations, Gregory, on your life of purity and wonder. We got cookie dough in our fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Is it alternative yeah, flour cookie dough? Oh, no. It's made with trash flour from General Effing Mills. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even get a specific mill we for your We didn't even cookies. get a specific oh. mill. We wouldn't dare. <laughs> we wouldn't know what to do with a specific mill, let alone Bob's Red. Far too I- specific. I mean, I I did think they actually because Gregory won for his um, pancakes with tapioca flour, and it it felt like a little bit like Judge Bianco was giving him bonus points for re- doing a replacement instead of a natural recipe. Yeah, did that seem like that to you? I agree. If he had made boba, would it have been as good? Yeah, that's exactly like so. So Nini made a rice flour crepe, and uh, Melissa made an almond flour financier, which is, uh, I guess, how you always make financers. Um, and uh, so all, it just all, all like, the people in the finance industry—they're just made of almond flour, guys. You don't know almond this. Almond flour yeah, and duck fat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's, uh, that's 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 Wall Street for you. Am I right? Both of those, <laughs> those are expensive ingredients. It makes sense for them to be bank- bankers. Um, but yeah, it did seem like they were. He was more impressed by pancakes than he was by those two things, which both sound a little better to me. Well, also, around. But one quick right. thing on the fanciers. Uh, do you know why it's called that? I think. Yes. Great, Chris. You. Uh, it's called a financier because uh, it it's designed to not get crumbs everywhere. So the bankers, it was designed so that bankers could eat it on in the morning and then not get crumbs on their suit. No kidding. Yeah. Is that true? Is or yeah, did you no, actually not know? No, that's a true one. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a, it, the we more... know that was a quiz. <laughs> it's a more... Ezra was so disappointed to not share that fact. Yeah, you know, oh. I just had to roll with it. It was like, well, someone else going to be smart. Go, Chris. No, I mean, uh, sorry, I didn't want to lie. <laughs> no, that's right. You, yeah, you have been fine with Ez. You being like, cool, I'll tell everybody else. And then no. just. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's better this way. <laughs> Why? Wow! 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 Ezra! How can you do this to our friend Ezra no. this early? In the okay, Ezra and Chris both knew the answer. You're equally smart and wonderful people. Well, I think we both we just both watched that other, uh, I guess, like, we, I think it was maybe the Top Chef desserts when they had that one. That, it like, could like, I think it was. The, the, I remember that, that's where I got mine. So surprise, you both watched Top Chef before. <laughs> yeah. And remembered parts of it. For this Top Chef recap podcast, this is truly a surprise. <laughs> I don't remember it, so good for both yeah. of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, Alex, your Shre- Shrek was in yours. I, <laughs> Alex, I do have a theory, by the way, about yeah, please. I'd, I'd like that theory about, about the win, which is just that um, the judge gave more credit to the replacements because this was designed to show off. Oh, look what you can do without traditional flour, and so if you're making something that Doing already recipes. Yeah, so like, you know, something with general appeal, um, like a pancake, you know, is more of a more of a like, ooh, you know, sort of statement win, I guess. It means yeah. you really know the flower intimately. Yeah. Would I rather have had a financier? Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds so good. Um, except for the duck. Um, well, 
also I should I guess we should go back and say so the judge for this that's a great theory Chris I agree um, the guest judge by the way was Chris Bianco who we saw very little of um, and his cool voice um, he did have a cool and, voice he's a famous he, scat yeah. man he's what he's a famous scat man oh, I oh said, yeah I thought you said Batman, Batman which would also I thought I you said Batman like, too I was like did <laughs> he look sort of like one of the Batman how I mean, crazy would it be if Batman was also scat man and he's like flying through <laughs> night going bleep <laughs> Where are the other drugs going? To do boop 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 boopity doopity. You want a really good pizza? <laughs> it's round. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 Batman, Batman, Chris Bianco is a uh, pizza legend, and this is um, a new mini segment that I've added onto the show because of the virus. That's called "Hey, I took a second to Google that for you." Um, it does kind of look like like kind of looks like Michael Keaton, so I can kind of buy it. Like he, has, he? Like, he has some sharper features, like in this picture. So, I, like he, he could be a backup Batman. I want this to sound mean because it's it makes sense, but he does look less like Batman and more like a man who makes pizza. Yes. Yeah. That's what That's I mean. Fair. It's his career. <laughs> it is his career. I know, but he's it's, not, more... yeah, it's not a burn to say, "Hey, you don't look like Batman." <laughs> Most people don't. Okay, so I guess you guys are missing the part where, in my heart, I meant it in a mean way. But okay. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so Chris Bianco, so he's a, he he owns Pizzeria Bianco in Phoenix, um, which is I just assumed it was an LA restaurant, but it is not. It's a pizza pizza uh, Phoenix place, Phoenix pizza place. <laughs> it yep. rises stronger and, every time. Uh, oh wait, it was, <laughs> it's the only pizza place that has won a James Beard uh, Best Regional Chef Award, hmm. which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and a fun fact about Mr. Bianco that I learned is he grew up in New York, and then in 1985, he won a plane ticket to anywhere in the United States. Oh, was it on Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> I did not. Can you take a second to Google that for you? Um, I think the timeline might not uh, match up. I was going to say, we were still recording the theme song to Carmen Sandiego at that time. But Kyle, it could have been where in time is Carmen Sandiego. He could have time traveled. Bingo. He got one ticket to any period in history and he chose 1985 Phoenix. That's that's not that much worse than what actually happened, which is he just randomly chose Phoenix. He could go anywhere in the country. He picked Phoenix because it seemed interesting for a second. And he fell in love with it and stayed forever. And I just... I've been to Phoenix a few times, and I would just really like to know what he experienced well, that it, first time. Because all I've ever experienced in Phoenix made me want to delete, want to leave right away. I, I, so. I thought you were gonna say want to delete. delete Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you said if you could delete Phoenix and no, nobody would get hurt, I would be for it. Um, uh, I think he doesn't have a turn plane ticket. Great, Chris Bianco's heart, but okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Phoenix is opposite New York. It's that thing where if you're sick of where you're from, so like it's big open landscape, it's you know, it's hot, it's consistent weather, it's you know, mm-hmm. very it, few the, people. There's the imprint of the uh, of the Statue of Liberty going into the ground, uh huh, <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Canyon, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like opposite Easter Island where you just see the feet of her, and you're like, no, there's actually a lot more down there if you look, if you dig. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I just I just have not really loved Phoenix all of the time. We've eaten a couple of really good restaurants there, but mostly the city is the worst. Um, just much love to our listeners in Phoenix. <laughs> not your We're fault. fans of you. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you if you're listening to this in Phoenix, tell us tell us tell us that Alex is wrong or not. I don't know. Defend yourself no, before not. you are deleted. <laughs> 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 <Whoa>! <laughs> 
<laughs> that deletion's coming. Alex is going to find a way. So well, let I us know. Did, yeah. Let me give you a quick update on my new segment here. Let me re-Google that for you. And I, uh, the New York Times article that talks about him choosing Phoenix makes no mention of Carmen Sandiego. So uh, I cannot tell I mean, you. That's, a, that's just because of IP reasons. I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't mention it probably. I think Car- you're allowed Car- to mention that no, it Car- exists. Carmen's lawyers. There's a whole, there's a whole vile like Carmen's section court. of lawyers. Um, the other thing I think we should mention really quick on the quick fire is that this is the second week in a row where Brian Voltaggio made the most delicious dish there and was in the bottom. Yep. Cause turns out just putting some crumbs on fish doesn't showcase <laughs> flowers. Not yeah, fish this out. crummy fish is not, is not good enough. It's like, it's kind of the opposite of fancier, right? It's where it's just like, yeah. it's the, it's, it's only, it's only the crumbs. And All no, these finances no are eating fish for lunch, and we want to give them the crumbs they lost from their breakfast. <laughs> I have a th- I have a theory on what's going on with Brian. I'm yeah. I'm worried that this isn't like the most up to date like patch on the Brian oh. <laughs> and it's he needs basically to like it, it, yeah he 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 needed to do an update before going on the competition because his like cook good food programs and like yeah. uh, like systems are doing great but his like higher end uh quick fire versatility matrix just yeah. isn't up to par uh he's yeah. cooking great food but when they put other layers on top yeah he just fritzes out great. and makes good food Although, yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I can see how this would happen i know when i'm really busy like yeah. it's like update i'm like no not not, not now not later. now later later in an hour in an hour yeah i <laughs> can't do the force touch uh taps on your phone you don't, oh, have, yeah. you don't have memojis because you haven't updated. <laughs> there's one yeah. there's one quick part he just won't be like up for because it'll just be it'll just be the firmware will be like reloading basically and he'll just yeah, have to miss that word. He's gonna get like starts now and Brian is still standing there. <laughs> Everyone else is running for the food. <laughs> Although we did have another P puree, which was, you know, a bright spot. Mm. Apparently, well, apparently it was a brilliant P puree, which have it, can anybody vouch for having had a pea puree that was amazing? I mean, I've, yes. I've eaten peas, and so that's a self-puree kind of, right? Like, uh, this is true. You made a puree bolus in your mouth. <laughs> oh, I so really sad. like peas. I will not suffer this slander. <laughs> it's not slander. That's how Wait, you know, yeah, Chris, do you, do you swallow them whole like a duck? <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> He's the only swallows them whole. Famous duck type eater, Chris Smith. Is a spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm sorry. We're I guess a little a little tangential on this quick fire recap here. But First time um, ever for the show. Yeah. Now I, getting back, like uh, yeah, he made a sweet beer be- and <laughs> <laughs> got on the bottom, but um. Speaking of weird purees and and things, Malarkey made that ice cream. But did you guys uh, did he gain or lose points in your in your book for the close your eyes and picture an amazing donut you know, speech? Lose. Uh, I think it's because the judges like enjoyed it at the end that it was like it was like maybe like plus half a point, but it was like it was really an up and down roller coaster of points for me. <laughs> at no Throughout point that explanation did Padma enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> like the moment it started, she. I agree. Like, she literally I, said, "Oh boy." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, well sc- sc- Scatman Chris Bianca was like, "Beep doo bop bop." If it had been, if he was normally good, and this was his first bullshit shenanigan show, you would be like, "That's really cute." 
malarkey. But because every episode he's had a shtick and most of the time it's covering bad food, it's it really loses its charm. Look, if his name was Simplicity and Truth, uh, and, like then he wouldn't have to be doing this BS, but it's not. It is that- Right, it is how like sometimes your name people are, like more likely to take their if like your name is lawman, you're more likely to go into police work. Yeah, it's like it's like how Chris is always like name. Know, yeah, like smelting things. Uh huh. He loves or smelts. hammering things with a tiny hammer. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I'm yeah, a I, basket maker. All right, a barrel maker. <laughs> Wait, I mean, what is a basket if not a barrel, and vice versa? <laughs> basket's just a hard barrel that's what my grandpa always yeah, used to say I got, I, got, I, got, I got a basket full of wine for you to age in my cellar um, is that what your last name is it, it's Cooper in a yeah it's a Cooper Dutch for barrel maker oh cool um, that's great um, also I didn't know you had a Dutch name that's very fun too mm-hmm. um, that's why there's all G's in it yeah that, all that one, you're right all that one G yeah it's got a, a mouthful of vowels um, so th- speaking of malarkey, today was a big malarkey day, um, a heavy yeah. malarkey day. And I don't want to jump too far ahead for people who have not seen the show, but tragically it will not be our last malarkey episode. Um, but let, let me talk about the elimination challenge that, that malarkey featured so heavily in. Um, so your challenge today, uh, the chefs got to go visit the LA Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where they got to meet conductor Gustavo. Um, oh, I and- liked him a lot. Yeah, of course. Fun. They made him bring out a baton and play with it while he talked with to the chefs. It helps so you can remember what he does because he wasn't wearing tails. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's just like how Kyle carries a piece of barrel around all the time so you know his job. What are those mm. metal rings? Yeah, he just always a giant just metal around ring. Around your neck. Yeah. Oh, that's good too. <laughs> Um, yeah, Gustavo was great, and he told his little story about how he was fated to be a conductor since he was eleven. Yeah, I did sweet. like that. That was yeah, that was that was very um, King Arthur kind of thing. Yeah, do you, On yeah kind do of a goof where he just sort of got up there and started like imitating and, and making fun of the conductor, and he was good enough at it that the conductor was like, "You are now me. So you can... have my you have my sword and my family." <laughs> yeah, kid. I if you say, if you mock, it's... oh, go ahead, Tanya. Oh no, no. What do I mock? What's happening? No, I just, if you mock some kids, if you mock someone well enough, you you just yeah, you, know, you become that's your profession now. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. turn it into a job. Humiliated. You are better at me than me. <laughs> I mean, as a person Alex. who has only uh, mock conducted a couple of times in her life, I will say there is a there's a lot of power there, and I can see getting drunk on it as an eleven year old. <laughs> I'm gonna chase this feeling. <laughs> He's just chasing that high school band dra- uh, dragon. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you think that Gustavo Dudamel changed his like spiel about how the LA Philharmonic works from like what he does for school field trips? Oh, that's a good question. I, it, I had the I got a vibe that he's done this speech thousands of times before. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. And was giving like the very basic. Do you know what they call this on the stage? The French fries. Yeah, yeah that was a good joke. Yeah, yeah. The, you uh, got cabbage and modern French fries. Organ. It did, yeah. yeah, it did hang on. I have that feel of like where it's like this is like the um the like the Disney's like Jungle Cruise where it's like this is the rehearsed pattern where these are all the jokes yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good point. Um, I wish he'd commented. So the the pipe organ does look like French fries. The ceiling looks maybe a little bit like lettuce cups, but I wish he had talked about why in this beautiful d- modern Disney concert hall they used um, 
the fabric off bus seats. Oh my yeah. god. The seats. So Kyle and I actually went to the concert hall a couple months ago to see a really fun concert, but like those seats are screamingly loud and it's not like they totally black out the, that particular concert hall. So you're just staring at them the whole time. It's it like is, casino yeah. carpet upholstery. It is crazy balls. Wait, I got it. It's it's so loud and obnoxious that everybody who's on stage knows when seats are empty and they feel bad. <laughs> you should have invited more friends. This is a bringer Philharmonic. Yeah. It's a good that's a good point. It could be it. What, what, was, the, what was the fun concert, uh, Sarah and Kyle? Yeah. Uh, we saw Sylvan Esso do uh, their With. Uh, if you guys like Sylvan Esso, they just released a live album of this like Tin Show concert tour where they took their like sort of computer-based sound sound and put a whole band behind it it's very cool they released a concert doc on youtube and a live album on spotify hmm. that sounds that does sound cool also i really want to go see a show there now so yeah. they worked as far, cool. as far as their tie-ins this one worked for me i do not want to see trolls too you but should. i definitely want to see a show here <laughs> everyone should see um, trolls too so uh, the chefs had to draw knives for their flavor profile. Each one was given one of the five major flavors, salty, sweet, bitter, sour, and umami. And then they had to pair up with somebody who had a different flavor. Um, I, I, I do think there's been a lot of good knife block this season. A lot yes. of innovative knife blocking. Like a lot of knife block and large knife block. Yeah, the biggest knife blocks. I wonder if we can take partial credit for this. Mm. I mean, we did our part, I think. You like, yeah, we like, yeah. Definitely have been, I think, from the beginning, pro pro knife block. Uh, we, were, we did start the um, never particularly popular hashtag more knife block. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did, act, well, when, we, when we talked to the producers of the show several seasons ago, and we talked to Nan, Curtis, and one of the other producers, um, we asked why the knife block had largely disappeared in season 11. And they were like, well, we're just trying to mix things up. And they, it seemed like it had never occurred to them that people would miss the knife block oh. when I told them how we love the knife block. And so it seems like there's been more knife blocks since then. So it, it maybe did have an effect. Is knife block just another all-star? And that's why it's so featured heavily in this, in this season. This is the all-star season. This is the best knife block that's ever been on the show, is this giant knife block. Yes, oh my California, gosh. the state that's hosted the show, like, Four times before is also true. The setting is an all star. The setting LA is the best setting they've ever had, at least in terms of affordability of filming. This is a good point. We got a lot of all stars. I didn't even realize on the show. Um, Also, the guest judge was uh, Timothy Hollingsworth, who we almost never saw. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Let's watch the final table. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we talked. Yeah, we watched Final Table on Netflix uh, last year. Was when it came out. I think. Yeah, he won that show, and which is where I apparently recognized him from. Um, but he was very, very briefly on here. He also, for quick, um, quick update to my segment. Hey, I took a second to Google that for you. Um, Timothy Hollingsworth owns the restaurant Otium where they were cooking, which is right in the shadow of the Dis- the awkward shaped shadow of the Disney Concert Hall. Um, he's the winner of five, Final Table, and before he did those things, he was the chef de cuisine for Thomas Keller at the French Laundry. Okay. So, so he's done some stuff. He seems pretty great, and I wish he had gotten to be on this episode more. He seems very serious. Yeah. yeah maybe it should he's- have been more fun. Like, Did you watch Final Table, Sarah? Yeah, we did. I will say this was totally in keeping with him, his appearance on the Final Table. He's just like a pro, not a very lively guy, but like clearly extremely talented and really dedicated to 
like making cool, innovative food. I think his restaurant looks really interesting. I hated some of the decor inside. <laughs> the food sounds cool. That he makes there. I don't remember. I don't know why I remember this, but I just really like the chairs at the table they were sitting at. Um, but in OTM, they had to um, feed not only Timothy and Gustavo, but also 60 of the Phil's hungriest mu- musicians. I don't know how the they got chosen. There's definitely some musicians who didn't. There was get a lot of first chairs featured. I think we know how they got chosen. <laughs> mm, oh, yeah. they got chosen by practicing. <laughs> that was good, Kyle. Um, so yeah, so the the challenge is to theoretically make two different flavor profiles sing sweetly together. Um, so we had such pairings, such pairings as uh, sweet and salty, bitter and umami. Sour and sweet, umami and sour, and Eric and Volt, bittersweet. Mm. Bittersweet symphony. Of Eric and... <laughs> oh, that's I was so bad. waiting for someone to say something. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how did you guys miss that? <laughs> You're doing a symphony challenge. You got bitter and sweet. This is right there. Sing oh. along if you know the words. <laughs> <laughs> um. Which also led me to it down to an interesting uh, rabbit hole that you might enjoy sometime later if you guys are interested about uh, the song Bittersweet Symphony and how the Rolling Stones got all of the money from that song. What? Yeah. it's And also, that record uh, by The Verve is the 18th best-selling album in UK history. So, wow. Why didn't you know about Verve? Good to be Verve. Not uh, yeah. Yeah. Good to be Verve. That song well. crushed ver- the oh, Verve. Oh, bad to be Verve. <laughs> uh, had to be verb well wait, what do you mean it crushed them kyle well because like that was their hit and every like royalty from it goes to the rolling rolling stones because they didn't get permission for yeah. the the like hook of the song the and, yeah, yeah they the, it was so it was so weird it was that they got permission for a cover of a rolling stone song that they actually used and the Rolling Stones sued for their royalties and then won and took all of it until, like, I think last year they were like, we've had enough of you, Verve, and gave them their money back. Or not money, but their future revenue back. Uh, anyway, so we should, what Verve you're saying high. is we should all invest heavily in Bittersweet Symphony now because the money will go to the rightful creator yes, of you, that yeah, particular song? Have you ever been considering buying that record? This is the time. <laughs> it depends on how much you feel strongly about the Verve, which is, you know... I, I did not listen to a lot of Verve. We listened. I still enjoy Bittersweet Symphony, but I listened to the rest of the record, and it was not quite to my taste. And it's not very similar. And so I could see how it'd be a bummer where your huge hit is your one different thing you've done. Mm. This was a confusing time because the Verve pipe came out at the same time. Uh, yeah, they did. It was so that like like the like that late late nineties was a very Verve heavy uh, music scene. And then after that, very little Verve. Yeah, yeah. Verve this has is... not made a comeback. <laughs> the revival is coming up any day now. <laughs> Oh, no. It's really good. Honestly, I'm not ready. <laughs> but, you know, I'm anyway. a million different people from one to the next, so who even knows? <laughs> I'm sure this episode should have been called Bittersweet Symphony, and so we will call our episode that. Oh, no, Percy. no, no. Then the, 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 our royalties will go both to the, the stones. Rolling stones are going to come for our asses. Any donations you make to pack your mics this week will go to the guitar, the guitar players from the Rolling Stones. All right, so anyway, let's get into the actual challenge. So um, the main focus of this episode was sort of the will they or won't they fail um, of the malarkey Wong train, which is clearly headed to disaster town to the last minute someone throws a switch. And they end up in, I guess, third place station. No, second. second. 
Second. Second. I did really well. I yeah, yeah. Like a call out of you did good, but not good enough. <laughs> but, no, but here's the thing, like like not bottom would have been like a, I think a triumph for them. And so to find out like you almost got first, I think would have really like I think they're happy. And plus I like the idea of like them on this train where it's like disaster station is like the direction they're going to, and it's like, hey, should, should we throw that switch away from disaster station? And they're like, oh, let's let's give it a minute, we'll see. And then finally and we, had, we had to know that it was going to turn out okay because they just were laying it on way too thick that they were blowing it. And the show, like the magical elves, do not make a show that transparent ever. So they were it, just was it any less thick than how they've laid on like all of Malarkey's chicanery for the last? <laughs> I mean, week? I think he must win, given how much of him we've had like doing badly so far. I, I think that would be the worst chicanery. thing to happen in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that is a bold statement, my friend. I don't think that's going to hold up. <laughs> I that's an old prediction, and you know what? I'm gonna side with you. I, I think I think that's tweet. I'm sorry. All right, <laughs> <laughs> you're going in the Phoenix basket. <laughs> Formerly the Phoenix barrel. Um, all right. Anyway, um, so I mean, did you like? I felt like it would have been boring if they'd gone home. That's what yes. I thought, actually, which is weird because also this is a double elimination, yeah. and every other team I wanted to stay. So yeah. it's a pretty brutal non-elimination yeah there were gonna be hankies for any dismissal you know i think yeah. uh, oh, okay. at this, this point was, especially given that it's a double not not to not to dispoil this jumping ahead this was the least double elimination of a double elimination ever though well yes. oh, because the option to come back yeah option like, come back yeah. and option for a person who didn't come back to potentially yeah. still be in last chance kitchen okay. well let's jump into that i don't think there's any reason to to make that a spoiler in a minute when we could do it now. So um, the the garbage train pulls into the station second, um, just behind Melissa and Valerie, Valerie yeah, Esquire's, sorry, um, Melissa and Valerie's husband, um, who uh, made a sweet and salty fish sauce caramel roasted cabbage um, yeah. with a pork crumble. So if you had, if it was a pork challenge, not enough pork, because it's just some crumbs, yep. but... Since it wasn't a pork challenge, a good amount of crumbs of pork. Once you saw um, that Melissa and Kevin were paired up, weren't you just like, okay? I was yeah. really excited for that. That was yeah, that was my that was my Turner and Hooch. That was my um, yeah, Skarskin Hutch. Yeah, yeah, they're sort of opposite approaches to food, but uh, you know, both amazing. <laughs> it's definitely more of a Turner and Hooch. Uh, I watched <laughs> Turner and Hooch this week, and like Melissa and Valerie's husband, one hundred percent Turner and Hooch. Melissa is a Turner through and through, prestigious. <laughs> Uh, dedicated to her work and Kevin would guard a houseboat. <laughs> he wouldn't. Yeah, for sure. You, he would not let you onto his houseboat if he didn't want it. He could, could do that. Um, man, <laughs> Melissa is just killing this season though. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Four quick fire tops and three elimination wins in six episodes is just crazy good. And she had a top with the uh, quick fire as well. This episode, yeah. she's and, I, and is she in danger of peaking too soon? We don't know. No, I Do I think require confidence? Yes, it would be a huge upset if she didn't go all the way. I think that would be the biggest upset in Top Chef history. Whoa, yeah, mm. Bold, whoa, but, but Whoa. real. <laughs> she's in the groove. Like she's just yeah. ready for this. She has like it's not just like her skills. It's like her creativity is just aligned with all the challenges that are coming up. 
And I think she's sort of like seeing the matrix and bending back when Padma shoots a bullet, which is a quick fire at her. Mm. <laughs> that, yeah. Padma's definitely the agent Smith of this series. I mean, 100% of the elimination wins this season have gone to Melissa Gregory or Valerie's husband. Wow. Is like, it, whoa. Yeah. There is yeah. some monopolizing. There was some team wins. So there's some spread out, but they were, they're all, all, all three of the, all, all six episodes involved. One of them winning. So put that uh, in your notebook. Malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this idiot notebook. Anyway, there is just some power consolidation on the season so far. It's really interesting. Um, um, it's so nice though. I think just it's it's a it's so satisfying when you're watching it and you don't have to worry about them. I think that's like like part of my brain relaxes where it's like oh, I just get to like just doing the good things and that's that's a nice place to put the audience in. So thank. Well, you. I didn't think I was worried about Eric and Robovolt, but then they were on the bottom. So yeah, I definitely thought that was the other gin and tonic. I don't know. I'm trying to. I can't think of a third pairing. They were, I thought they were going to go well together too, and so it was a little disappointing. Tango Although, and Cash. Thank you, Tango. The Tango and Cash. They're, they're they're too much. They're both too much Tango. Not enough Cash. Okay. Anyway, they're all the point is that I don't know anything about. So this is all <laughs> lost on me. A hard riff to continue Tango for me as well. Also with uh, glasses on, right? Uh, yeah. So it, it, was, it, was, it was it was it was it was fancy Stallone, and then it was Kurt Russell. Uh, so, but I don't remember which is which. Fancy Stallone, yeah, yeah, like in a suit, buttoned up, yeah, yeah. Did they like make his face look better? I mean, you watched this movie for the podcast, Alex. I don't know. I was just trying to. It just seems like it's weird to. He just looks like a pork chop and then a suit. It's just a weird face. Anyone could be fancy. Uh, close man. (laughs) <laughs> the point is, um, so yeah, we have to talk about this elimination. So um, uh, we have Melissa and Kevin on top. We have Leanne and Malarkey eh, tragically okay and safe. Um, and then they and they didn't really do top bottom. They just did like safe, like winner and then safe and safe. And so um, I guess Stephanie and Gregory are in the middle in third place. Yeah. Uh, but what's crazy is that like we definitely felt like we had a little bit that you have people of, we had a little bit you could have like fat to trim from this group and we are out of it once you put Leanne and Malarkey in the safe zone and so which, this is just an incredibly sharp group of chefs and so to do a double they had a double elimination where they loved every dish yeah. and that is heartbreaking mm-hmm. yeah and, it was rough but it's weird though cuz even at, even before the announcement was made about who was going home I actually felt like the fact that everyone cooked a meal they could be truly proud of that like really like wowed the judges like yeah it sucks to go home for that kind of food but it also feels great not to go home for a dumb mistake like yeah. I almost there is a true. certain dignity in that where it's like no I didn't forget what fat was and not add any to my dish or like you know like there are those mistakes where you're like gosh that's embarrassing for you like you put a warm oyster on a rock like what were you thinking <laughs> you know it's not one of those it's kind of cool to be like yeah I'm a badass and this is a competition and people had to be eliminated and that happened to me like that's that to me feels yeah. like it it almost decreases my hankies a little bit because it's not the yeah. same kind of like stress got to me. I overthought this. I added 900 ingredients I didn't need. Like yeah, the I've, carrots made it on the plate. Like it wasn't one of those, you know, didn't burn the curry. <laughs> it's so interesting. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know which would actually be easier on me because both of these teams in the bottom, like one of them 
could have been saved by doing a tiny bit more fish sauce in their fish sauce. And the other one could have been saved by cutting the pork different shapes. And like, I feel like if you go home for the wrong pork shape, I would like, I, I would, I might be as frustrated at that or just like, I now want to beat myself up over a small thing instead of a big thing. No, so I, I don't know. I, I think like if you're, if you're, if you're beaten by great competition and you did, you did a great job. Like, I don't think that haunts you in the same yeah. way. Uh, well, so, okay, so let me just show you the dark places I'm capable of. But yeah. if I lose when I blew it, then I had like, oh, okay, I'm better than this. But if I lose when I did a great job and they did better, it's like, no, I am actually not as good. And that hurts more. Well, but it's not that they made better food necessarily. It's that they met the challenge better. Right? Well, like, they did a better job with the specific parameters. It's just like Volt's programming from the, the quick fires going wrong is that both of these dishes were perfect but which they didn't match up as well in the very forced philharmonic tie-in yeah which one is a renaissance painting which one (laughs) (laughs) and alex i guess the other thing is like if this was real life like all the chefs would be good enough to have like a great restaurant it's not like it's a zero-sum game anymore and so like so i think you'd like if you left this competition you're like you know what i know i'm a great chef i cook great food um i will be successful it's not like you, know, you don't get they don't they don't take away your knives forever. Yeah, it's not like you can't go get a you job at a quick fire restaurant. Like that's not a place, so you're gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I guess maybe what I'm feeling is like I am just uh, such like I've never learned how to lose gracefully. So maybe what it is is that if you're healthy going in emotionally, you will leave healthy, and then if you're not, you won't be. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Well, hey, Alex, that's good... just the game of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, does anyone want to give uh, Alex losing tips? Is anyone going to losing on this uh, on this podcast on the panel? No. That's a, <laughs> that's a I, weird I, I thing to do. A lot, but I'm a yeah, famous score is... loser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's I'm a not really hard thing to do well. Yeah. So, I'm pretty good at losing. Sarah, Sarah. I don't know if I have tips. I think my tip is just like, don't care. Yeah, I think you start not caring pretty early on. Where it's like, this is a competition. You're like, so you're like, whatever. I don't care. I'm out. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> whatever happens, that's, that's what's supposed to happen. All right. Well, um, if you guys would write in next week for the mailbag and help me with, I, I guess, help me be a better loser, I'd be into that. Um, before we go to the mailbag, though, we have uh, two more quick things. First of all, let's do it. Let's rate it. One to 16 hankies. You can use half points. The double elimination of Nini and Karen with a possible early return of one or both um, at the time. We didn't know. So how many hankies at the moment? Not with the other part, but at the moment, double elimination, Karen and Nini. How many hankies? Megan. Whoa. Oh, and by the way, I wanted this to be cumulative if possible. Cumulative? As a, as a, a, a hanky reading for each um, for each. Oh, so this is out of 32 hankies yes. now? Cause, well, because my prediction was there would be more than 20 or more hankies. And so, yes. Okay, yeah. So out of would, out of thirty two hankies, I'm gonna go with twenty. Sure. Okay. Okay. Twenty or more. Whole um, prediction successful. <laughs> so Megan, you were pretty sad about that, huh? Um, I was in a good mood. I don't know. Like I, I, I mean, I was, I was sad for them, but I was also twenty is not know. that much. Twenty is only ten for each. That's that's the that's a pretty that's... ten out of sixteen for each, though. It's the most of the show so far, but. There are a lot of yeah, mitigating I, factors. I guess I was. I guess I was sort of maybe feeling like you know they all cooked really well. Yeah, you know, okay. like like we were okay. just discussing, and I wasn't. I just wasn't feeling as bad. Kyle, I tell, tell me about your hankies. What were your mitigating factors? I'm going to say like cumulatively, I might. I might be at ten hankies. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Uh, I'd say or probably like, for me. 
seven Nini, three Karen. Yeah. Uh, but like mm. the situation was like they did it. Like I think the big thing that get, makes me pull out the hankies is it not being fair. Uh, and mm. it feeling like yeah. they, they didn't get to uh, put their best selves forward. And I do think Nini and Karen did a great job. And also like literally right after you knew that they were going to Last Chance Kitchen. And then last week in Last Chance Kitchen, uh, Tom said, you have a chance to get back. So I knew that they were going to have like some chicanery to get back in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like I, I, it didn't feel as final when they were eliminated. Totally. And I, I, it, it does, it does certainly relieve a double elimination. If one person can get back in, in a playoff that makes it a lot less hard to take. Yes. I'd say also go. Oh, the double elimination cumulatively 10 hankies last year's kitchen elimination, 10 hankies. Oh. oh, so you are a Nini fan more than a Karen fan, or a yeah. Lisa fan, <laughs> or a Lisa Fernandez fan? Yeah, no, it's not likely. Um, uh, Sarah, uh, uh, new Sarah, what's your hanky level? Are you similar? Um, I would up mine a little bit and say I might be closer to twenty six hankies because I actually oh. like Karen. Her, yeah. I, I really admire her, first of all, and I think she's also just very kind. And then also her saying that she started as a musical theater major made <laughs> happen yeah, that gets for in a very for specific sure. way where it's like, oh, you're a theater kid. I will defend you till I die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also a theater kid who's like laid down her dream of being a theater person professionally yeah. is like there's a just uh there's a real i don't know there's a freaky nobility there that i do yeah. i do really respect yeah. but then she's right, so driven and focused enough to become like a james beard award-winning chef and that's like yeah and great happy ending. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, agreed Brooke, i guess Brooke, i don't know oh go ahead no, I was asking you, Tanya. What are your, You're what are your asking me? Tanya? Oh. <laughs> um, I would say I might have the record for the lowest level of hankies. And in some ways, it's almost because everyone, like, you know, acquitted themselves so well. Like, they just, everyone was so, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, they, they cooked great. Then they were, like, extremely, like, reasonable about being eliminated. And I, and I think, like, I'm... I, I like both Nini and Karen. I would say that they are not, they've never been anywhere near my ride or dies. So like, mm. I just have always been like, that's okay. <laughs> um, in, in the, you know, it, like between them and Leanne and Malarkey, like I, I wanted them to be safe more than I wanted Leanne and Malarkey to be safe, but I also was relatively comfortable with it. So I think I was probably more like eight hankies, like four hankies a piece. Yeah. Similar to, to Tanya, I think I, I, my hanky count so far in this show has been quite low. Um, I have been a Karen fan for a little bit more than, or I guess I, I like Karen more than I like Nini as far as how they approach food, or at least I, I think Karen's a more interesting contestant to have on the show. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad she's back. I think one other mitigating factor that we haven't talked about yet is it was either Nini and Karen or Eric and Volt. And yep, I, I was really wanted Eric uh, and Volt to stay in the show. Yes. So, you know, there's for a, me, it was just like, like, well, it's going to be lots and lots of hankies if uh, Eric's leaving. But if yeah, you I felt like I had 30 hankies out if Eric and Volt had to go home. Yeah. And so I got to put mostly my hankies away yep. when they were saved. Yeah. So negative hankies. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's OK. I, I think, you know, uh, pretty happy with the elimination so far. And 
you know, with an understanding that uh, every chef who leaves the kitchen is another one uh, or Melissa is that much closer to victory. And I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. Yeah, that's true. Um, wrap us up, Ez and Sarah. What are your hankies? So I think mine are a little bit higher for them. I was thinking 21, 11 for Karen, 10 for Nini. And I think I just gave one more to Karen because she seems just like a little more polished to me. And I want to reward that. Um, and I'm wrestling with a two-year-old right now. So I think yep. that's all yep. I'm going to say. Okay, great. Yeah. I, I would, yeah, I would say somewhere for me, uh, like there's a difference between, yeah, the expected number of hankies both for this season and for that elimination and what I got. So I think like it was a little less sad than I thought. Uh, I would put it somewhere between like a, a baker's dozen and maybe a, a thieves dozen of, of hankies. Okay. Which one is a thieves dozen? Yeah, let's, let's so, hear what a thieves dozen is. As many as he wants. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would say it's 11 because we've like eaten two from the baker's dozen before you give them to whoever you're supposed to give them, you know? No. Or it's like, you robbed a baker. <laughs> you robbed no you you paid for the baker's dozen or something like so say like you know if i bought a baker's dozen for the family but i ate two along the way that's a thieves dozen i would say okay all right all right is this a thing you just made up yes okay <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um i don't know also i i, I want to cover this really quick because i don't know where else to get it so like volt and eric were like kind of dinged for like having food be spicy right yeah um yeah and like they're like hey you're only supposed to fi- you know like focus on these like you know uh two of the five flavor profiles spicy is a flavor right shouldn't there be six wait I th- wasn't it wasn't that gregory oh. and stephanie the the, yeah. the hot one who was, sorry, gregory, who was the hot gregory one and stephanie put oh hot. you're right okay yeah because yeah, there was gregory had that brilliant uh judges table where a lot of chefs are like no i always intended my eggplant to be raw and slap you in slapping you in the face and he was like it was not our intention to make it spicy like it was the it was a person who actually knew what he was trying to cook admitting that he did not do it exactly how he wanted it was really strong i I was totally agree Um, what eric and Volt got dinged for was cutting their pork the wrong way yeah Yeah, yeah, well yeah because all the the flavor they put on the rub essentially you only got like a little bit of it yeah yeah so it wasn't sweet enough. So, but, but also, is spicy? Shouldn't spicy be one of the flavor profiles? Like, that is a great question. Why? Why did spicy not get a knife? It's not on your tongue. What, where did you feel it then, Megan? It's not like it. It's not area. Spicy food and rubs it in our cheeks first. It's rosy and beautiful. No, I, it's, it's it's like. In school, you learn like where the taste buds are on the tongue. I, know, but I don't think I there's think a spicy not, one. I, I mean, you you taste spicy anymore. on your tongue, and also I don't think that's real. Yeah, I, you don't think it's real? Yeah, you think, I think they were lying? The regions I, yeah, of the I, tongue are real. The regions of the palate. Yeah, they are. The palate has been no, that's what Alex is forwarding. Is that he yeah? I, I, I believe I have seen somebody say that that is not real. Just like literally everything else you learned at that age. Oh. Wait, I have an argument to make though. Spicy, I would argue, is not a flavor in and of itself. It is a sensation that can enhance other flavors. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think the like, chip industry would agree with you. But then like pain is a sensation. Like, I don't know. Like I, I feel like like spicy is a taste, okay. no? So you're asking I, that when you I actually, this dish, no, I'm on, I'm on team in the Sarah. face. <laughs> sorry, Ma- Megan. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Maya yelled over uh, over you, Alex. What what were you? What's your? Oh, I was just saying that if you really want pain to be one of the uh, flavor profiles on all of your dishes, you want someone to like serve you a pancake and then slap you with it. Oh, I mean, if that's an option, I guess. I'm curious to see how that goes. That's like a different table side presentation. Um. So according to um, 
Israel Ramirez, a biophysicist, there is a confusion in language about taste versus flavor. To a physiologist, taste is defined by a set of receptors on the tongue, enervated mainly by the glossopharyngeal and facial nerves. Uh, that gives you the ability to detect salty, sweet, sour, bitter, and umami, which are amino acid flavors. Um, yeah, so this and spicy is not one of those things. That's what I was saying. You did a good job. <laughs> I agree with you, and it's weird that you rub your food on your face. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, let me just. Uh, I think that yeah. So my the last thing was for I guess me to say hankies, and then we'll move on. And my hanky situation is that I was like I I was by far the biggest Nini supporter on this podcast, which is a surprise to me. But I Nini herself would have gotten fourteen hankies. Except that she referred to herself in the third person by a nickname she gave herself today. And that's a little rough. Um, when she said, get out of the way, baby's coming through. It was a little hard. Um, and so she lost two hankies for that. And then Karen, I've been the smallest supporter of on the show. But Karen really grew on me today. And so I'm happy to see her back. And overall, I think my main thing was I was gonna, I was all ready to do 30 hankies. And then I realized that it was them or Eric and Volt. And so it dropped to almost no hankies. It was just the sometimes the great thing about the lesser of two evils is that there is less evil. And I like that. So a few hankies, almost no hankies. Um, although it's tragic that they did a double elimination, which was clearly designed to eliminate Leanne and Malarkey. No. They got them on the same team. It was perfect. And then they somehow managed to pull it out. Somehow Leanne managed to correct all of Malarkey's mistakes and I am so upset about it. I think this is like a good good vote for the uh, I guess like the the team of enemies type thing, like where like your oh team of rivals, yeah. yeah. Um, like, That's a good point. Because I mean, like they 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 were definitely like you know working through some stuff together. Uh, but the like I think maybe that actually isn't even though it's maybe not an enjoyable process for them to be on. Like it did really it does, help. Yeah, them, it, does, yeah. it does make good stuff at the end of it. Well, also one of Leanne's problem had been um, overcomplicating her food, and so she in focusing on not letting malarkey overcomplicate their food, she actually corrected her own mistake as well. So I think most of the credit does goes to Leanne for learning from mistakes. Um, and of the two, I'd much prefer her to stick around, but does, does um, this analogy make Leanne the Abraham Lincoln of top chef? I think it would have to. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah I think it's exactly right. So who, wait, who's malarkey then? Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Stephen Jared. A. Douglas. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. He is he's the one who talks a lot and mostly says bullshit. Or he's uh Lincoln's vice president that was impeached. The only president who's actually been impe- successfully impeached. Oh, Andrew wait, Johnson. Really? Andrew Johnson. Interesting. Well, All right, anyway, um we should learn history some other time. Let me give you one since we're learning things though, let me tell you one my last finish the segment. Hey, I took a second to Google that for you. So some of you guys may have noticed that Leanne, um, upon entering Whole Foods, asks if they have any more on Dive. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus on Dive. You know, we, well, and then the, yeah, the talker says Endive. Yeah. Yes. So um, according to Endive.com. Or on Dive.com. The vegetable. <laughs> the vegetable pro- pronounced. <laughs> the vegetable pronounced Endive is a leafy, curly green and a member of the Daisy family also closely related to chicory radicchio and Belgian endive, which is the rocket shaped vegetable we're all used to seeing is, is supposed to be pronounced endive. It's a, it's actually a Belgian endive and um, fun fact about Be- Belgian endive. It does not occur in nature. It's um, it actually requires a very labor intensive process where it 
you take the root of a chicory plant, put it in the dark, trick it into thinking that it's already blossomed once, and then force it to grow a second time. Anyway, it's a very interesting process. But the point is, wow. endive is like a lettucey thing. On Dive is the little rocket shaped uh, thing that you can uh, you, that you normally think of. So but they're all spelled exactly the same way, which is confusing. Very confusing. And um, also, it seems like maybe ondive.com has an agenda, and so it's it seems like maybe this is a relatively recent distinction where they are trying to increase sales of on Dive by making it sound different it's hard to say exactly but i mean on Dive has a tragic backstory so i don't know if that means i'm gonna like invest more in like you know tricking yeah, plants in like, total the, darkness like the veal of plants really like yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fascinating but um everybody else said endive and leanne kept with it and i saw on on reddit a chef say like i've been a chef for 30 years and i've never heard anyone say on Dive. and so i do wonder if this is like a recent push but in any case, when somebody says on Dive now, you know that they are trying hard to make a proper distinction that maybe not everyone recognizes. Well, as a person who has always said aunt and isn't quite sure why that is, I have to admit oh, that like sometimes too. you just say you just say cool. a pronunciation, it's, even if everyone else around better. you says something else. No, you're right. It sounds better and it sounds less like ants. So it's definitely aunt is the correct answer. <laughs> it depends right. how fancy your your parent's sibling is, whether it's an aunt or an aunt. If your if oh, your parent's true. sibling costs more than a hundred dollars, okay. Uh, no, uh, that's a vase. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I promised Megan because um, she had a lot to get through today that I would keep this show tight, and I did not. But in any case, it's still time to jump into uh, our regular segment. Do the rig a dig a ding dong song. It's Megan's Mailbag. You can get in touch with Megan by sending her an email, mailbag at packyourmics.com. You can also get in touch with her on Facebook or on Twitter or at packyourmics.com. Megan, what's in your bag? Uh, we have an email from Bridget. Hey, uh, Bridget writes, <laughs> Oh, God, crystals. We didn't <laughs> oh, get a chance sure. to discuss this yet. Oh, yeah, uh, the charging but... of the crystals. <laughs> Further evidence that they don't work at all. Nini yeah. is out, yet malarkey is still in. Would why would any just, good, or effective crystal not protect Nini? Well, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa I, has a crystal and she's doing great, Bridget. Yeah, she Maybe you have to wear it. The crystals could be could work. They could just not be male- like benevolent. No, no. Nini just <laughs> forgot to recharge her crystal uh, long enough. <laughs> I, I also think like if if the crystals, if you charge two crystals that are working against each other. You know, they had to fight. So it wasn't like if if Malarkey was the only one with a crystal and it did not work, you could say, oh, it's maybe it didn't save him. But it's like they both had crystals and his he just bought a more expensive crystal. It's a crystal better. It was it was a, it was a crystal. <laughs> you know, it's the shoddy carpenter that blames his tools. For- <laughs> Bridget also writes, what Tom fails to appreciate at the, is that there are not enough cello solos in the world. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. There, yeah, um, cello, I, I do love a cello solo. Is this yeah, an appropriate you, time for me to briefly complain about the use of classical music in this episode? Yes, sure. please. Yeah. Okay, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, I just, I, I found everyone's uh, characterization of uh, good good music in general. Like, they're like, this one's the melody and this one's the harmony. <laughs> Which was just like, 
facile and frustrating to begin with. And then on top of that, to have to listen to an entire episode of fake synth classical music stylings as the background. Affordable royalty-free classical music. Oh, it's, it's painful, man. It is not, it is not comfortable. Also, it just felt like a retread of like, there's just that music that you play when you've decided that something is air quotes, like Western civilization fancy. And it's that Uh, music that we also had to suffer through in the art episode, because it's like, Oh, what are the things that old people love? let's give them this terrible violin synth like why 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 um yeah that's that's all i got like half the contestants claim to listen to a lot of classical music sure sure you could i mean we could we could name a composer we could refer to something as something other than a song anyway i just well it was it was frustrating i didn't love it instead of songs compositions oh compositions pieces a movement yeah. uh, like i mean there are just so many different ways that you could you could talk about music and a, this was just the most like does that work yeah uh, yeah yes. definitely yes a it pop made, banger made banger dun 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 <laughs> that is a banger <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and also in general cellos are like the greatest instrument they're just like one of the most beautiful sounding instruments and so for tom to be so mad he's like i wanted violins and you brought a cello it's like well tom this is you had a bad request also in what yeah. world is a conductor calling for a solo like what how do you yeah, think symphonies one of those work? improv orchestras it's like yes we all sit down in front of our sheet music but until the conductor asks us to do something we don't do it like, whatever what are you talking for. about <laughs> That's such a good point. All right. Thanks for that, Bridget. From Bridget. Cello's rule. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jane asks, what other flavor or chef combo would you have liked to see in the episode? Well, Ez wants to see spicy spicy. hurt my face. Yeah. (laughs) Spicy and BDSM flavors together. Uh, Um, Super team, right? I mean, it would be interesting to have watched melissa and gregory Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, i would also be interested in gregory and uh eric working together um because gregory's been so interested in haitian food recently and i just seeing where those roots meet with eric's interest in in cuisine i think it'd be really fascinating yeah Yeah. Yeah, in a similar place i would have loved to see nini and eric just because i don't think they interacted a ton on their season and like let's get wild and do vietnamese west african yeah, that'd be super interesting too. I love that. Yeah, I like a Volt and Kevin combo. Yeah, I was do like that. some, some like I don't know something with a lot of big big flavor. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I don't know Volt what flavors. Let's say umami and spicy, or you know. Yeah, I like. Well, Volt's such an interesting partner for anybody because he's so precise, and it does seem like he's also like a good, like he's good at working with other people. He doesn't shut down. So to have that level of precision added to anybody else's food would also be super. Yeah, I can imagine if you did like umami sweet, you could get some like really cool, interesting barbecue stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I did. Yeah, uh, no one actually had sweet and sour, right? So that was the whole. Yeah, no one actually had sweet and sour, so that's that's fun. Not um, until the quick fire. Until the quick fire, yeah. Last also, chance kitchen. Yeah, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was it was interesting actually how much bitter um was an important part. So I would also have been interested in seeing a bitter sour and just see like you make just like warheads. <laughs> you got a perfectly good warhead. It just <laughs> you guys, you gotta be careful with warheads as an adult. <laughs> we went back and had some warheads and it was not good for the teeth. It's not uh, great I turned for out the soft fine, but really, either. 
<laughs> it was really rough on Megan. Anyway, <laughs> let's get keep keep going in the mailbag. We got all right. We, we've got a, a a great long email from Cat. Uh, Leanne and Malarkey's tussle at the register reminded me of an incident on a guy's grocery games all star all star tournament oh. a few years ago. I went back to watch it, and honestly, Leanne got off late. This particular episode featured a budget challenge where the contestants had to actually purchase their ingredients at the register, which they don't usually have to do. They only get one register, and the checking out time eats into their cooking time. Mm. Only two other contestants have checked out when Malarkey races up to the register and straight up tackles Marcel out of the way <laughs> so he can get his own stuff on the conveyor belt. Oh, uh, it man. looks fairly friendly, and Marcel doesn't see seem upset but like why yeah uh, now that malarkey has secured his place in line it turns out he's gone way over budget and he makes a great big production of whittling his purchases down <laughs> literally he actually gets a knife and chops a cabbage in half <laughs> at the register <laughs> he wields a knife at the register yeah what kind of uh, so- store is in this games <laughs> it's a good set it's a big grocery store kyle okay. the hunger game grocery store <laughs> Um, so she concludes, uh, not only is it yet another example of Malarkey just being so much, it's also interesting to watch after all the talk this season, and especially this episode, about him being unable to edit himself. Yeah. It's really been a theme throughout his food TV career, and it's probably going to be part of why he ends up crashing and burning this season. Mm, um, I actually I actually, I actually really enjoy um, him as a contestant. Kyle's description of him as acting like a TV character who knows he's a TV character is so spot on. <laughs> yes. Um, and that kind of thing really sense, hits my sense of humor. Uh, but I still think it's time for him to go soon. Yeah. Kat totally. agreed. And, and thanks for sharing that. I mean, it, it sounds like maybe Malarkey has mellowed with some age. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like Guy Fieri brings out a different part of him than Padma. Sure. That's just something, maybe something about being around Gravitas that mellows him. Padma turns him into a real storyteller. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, we got a a couple uh, entries to the mailbag this week uh, responding to our speculation last week that the there was no one listening who does not watch Top Chef. For the record, I knew that this was true because they've gotten in touch with us before. It was other people did not believe me. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. And for the Sorry. record, officially, thank you. No, I mean, yes. it's extremely yeah. nice. And I, I am ch- I am duly chastened. And and, <laughs> and telling them to stop was not something we ever meant. Please continue to listen. Uh, I mean, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I he didn't. He's being funny. No, either, either watch Top Chef, all right, and keep on listening. Or, or just, I don't know. Come on. Come on. No, I don't think we can afford to chase people away at this point in our career as... I don't... What are you... They're not giving us any money in the first place, Alex. Define afford. <laughs> Define career. That's fake in this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, listener Alex writes, just listen to Thank You But Stop, and I feel I must respond to the titular issue. I only started watching Top Chef because you guys are covering it. Listen to you, listening to you all grapple with the insanity of the Philip season when, was one of the best podcast experiences <laughs> I've ever had. Oh, yeah. I'm no longer watching the show, but I'm still keeping up with the podcast. There's no way I could miss it, especially with Chris and Tanya on board. Aww. I feel like I've watched enough Top Chef to picture what you guys are talking about. So things basically make sense. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I think especially like when we're so tangent heavy, that even makes it easier. Like the less we talk about the show, the less background knowledge you need. So they're like probably like, yeah, more of, 
more of that Batman and Scatman riff. <laughs> or you're just like a, a supercomputer of a person and you just understand things implicitly in a way that none of us usually do. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Um... Also, I know it's really suspicious that I just pointed out that I was the one who believed this, and then the email came from someone named Alex. It but was I, the last I, name when you forwarded over. That was yes, not yours. There was. Yeah, because you uh, can't get other email addresses. Axel on right. Twitter. And I know it's suspicious that this person's name is an anagram of my name. <laughs> <laughs> this comes from Alex is always right at hotmail.com. Tom Riddle shit right here. <laughs> Uh, I listen to you guys and don't watch Top Chef, except I normally will iTunes the seasons once they go to the finale location. You guys oh, are my cool. too many chefs substitute. So, and and just to just to give some credibility to Alex here, um, I did also hear verbally from uh, my sister Maddie. Shout out to Maddie Yay, who started Maddie. listening before uh, watching Top Chef, although she and her husband are now Top Chef fans. So. Yeah, so it's weird. weird. The gateway drug. Okay, so essentially, if you share a name with one of us or bloodlines, then that's a pretty good chance you're still okay with it. No, Look, thanks. To, we we appreciate you all listening, regardless whether you watch Top Chef or not. But I think you should read that other email from Leax about how great a host you are. <laughs> Alex is just the best host ever. <laughs> well, thanks, Megan. <laughs> I don't know. Leax sounds to me like a high tech leaks fan account. <laughs> Yeah, could be. <laughs> All right, since we're running long, long we've got uh, something I'm going to save for a, a future episode. Yeah, um, so we, we don't always get all the emails. We've had a couple in the last couple weeks. We haven't, just for time, we haven't really got to everything. So, but we do read and Megan responds to most of them. Um, so we do appreciate everything you send in. Um, and at some point, theoretically, in our careers, we'll get so successful we can't read all of them. We do our best for now. And we have the, an evergreen question, so we'll come back to that. Yeah, uh, but we did want to cover this last one from Carla. Um, Carla wrote in on Twitter uh, about something that happened in a previous episode of, of Pack Your Mics. Um, Ooh, I think, oh, Alex, yes. you have this. Uh, in fact, yeah, so this brought my attention. I have a clip from the past that I would like to play. This is from season one of our show slash season 11 of the pod. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I'm scared. No, 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 no. It's cool. This is not a bad thing. All right. Let's let's take a listen. No. Oh, wait, is that all of it? No, nope, that's too much of it. Damn it. I knew this wasn't going to work. <laughs> Here, listen to an entire podcast. <laughs> I definitely did this wrong. All right, let's not listen we to the whole podcast. We don't have time yeah. for more questions, but we do have time for a whole podcast within our podcast. <laughs> listen, COVID-19, you got time. <laughs> what else are you up to? Um, oh, man. All right, I told you I was trying to set this up before the show, and it wasn't working. And so I, f- I thought I'd finally come up with a solution, and then it I blew it. Um <laughs> All right, so this is going to happen here in just a half a second. It's definitely actually coming, um, and I'm just stalling for time as I, I do that. Way up! All right, here you go. Here is a clip from episode 14 of our show. Uh, also joining us in San Francisco, it's Ezra and Sarah. What celebrity would you like to see judge the show? I would choose Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> I love her. Huh. I really love her. Not necessarily Agreed. for her music, though I, though I do like her music. But mostly I just really love her as a person. She's funny and down to earth. And the only person who I can watch on TV when I run into her on TV who makes me want to actually be friends with her. So uh, I you're feel that way. And, 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 and afterwards, I wish they did a franchise of those trolls dolls. And I think Kelly Clarkson would be a great <laughs> horse type troll. 
<laughs> you did a you did an amazing job of getting that franchise started, Tara. Yeah, your dream came true. It did. You know, I felt this like this glorious sensation of familiarity when she actually did come on the show, but I, I couldn't place it. And so now I feel like my world is complete. This is the thing that happened in Dream Sling long enough ago. You forget that it was your dream. I forgot it was my dream. It's truly well, a you, apparently, <laughs> apparently, it's <laughs> uh, apparently at the time you were watching a show that she was hosting about genealogy and you thought she was a great, oh. she was in that. Oh yeah. yeah. That was a great show. And she was delightful. And you know what? I'm going to amend my statement. I don't know why I thought it'd be cool to say that, but I love her music and I always have. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, you got it. You got the host that you always wanted. So if you could just uh, make another wish right now for something to happen in six seasons. Okay. Six seasons from now, Tom Hanks. (laughs) All right. That's a good one. Is going to. Fully recovered from COVID, Tom Hanks. Fully recovered, is going to cook comfort food and make us all fall in love with him again he really is like the comfort food of people that's such a good challenge um well when that happens we'll definitely talk about it and thank you thank you so much carla thank you carla for for finding it it's amazing and thanks alex for the technical wizardry (laughs) i made it work it happened um we could listen to the whole thing it wouldn't have been that long um anyway uh and thanks everybody wrote in uh to us this week you can always get in touch with megan pack your mics at or mailbag at packyourmics.com. Really quick on our way out here, um, two episodes of Last Chance Kitchen today. Um, first, they had to cook off uh, Sweet and Sour, and Lisa did not make it through. And then yeah. the final two, recently eliminated, Nini and Karen had to cook a family meal for everyone else who had been eliminated, with the winner getting back on the show immediately. What a day. What a, what a year Karen had today. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes, she did. I mean, I, one thing that I really liked about Karen is is hearing it then. She's like, I don't I haven't wanted anything that bad in a really long time. And just yeah, seeing just seeing the fire that it, I'm so over it that she, yeah, like, she was she was upset that she was eliminated. She was exhausted. And then she got back in and, and really pushed hard. Like the shrimp that she did for the sweet and sour uh, looked like a great sort of bite less than an entree. But she did a great job. I'm wearing a pineapple shirt in her honor. And um, yeah, I am. Also, her family meal was pretty impressive. She basically won for a a whole bronzino. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like Nini tried to burn everything. She burned what two or three steaks, and then (laughs) also burned her curry. And her curry. Yeah. If you remember, if we think back to the one lesson about baking we learned from Chris Bianco, when you burn stuff, you learn stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems like Nini had the biggest day of learning today. She did. And she did a brilliant move, which is just pouring off the unscorched curry. Um, and and it seemed like it all worked out. Uh, it's funny that Karen won for the best individual dish of her three dishes. Uh, and it was interesting. I don't know. I think probably Nini's curry was better than the other two things that, uh, Karen had the the leek and the and the pasta. Oh, yeah. and it, it was that classic Tom fennel. move where he's or like, "I'm sorry, yeah." Here's how I'm going to judge this. I've decided I'm going to pick the best individual dish. It's like, well, you're the producer; you can choose the rules, I guess. Oh yeah, no, totally. Um, and and I'm glad. I mean, Karen put in great work there, and and I'm super glad she's back. And oh, and yeah. Alex, yeah. I think this actually answers your uh your masterclass on losing question. I think Karen gave us. She really painted the whole rainbow there. Well, we, we um. 
the so the key what you're saying to me is the key to losing is then to immediately win and make it nullified yes just channel channel all of the the avalanche of feelings into your future efforts you know yeah that's true so she felt the feelings and she was also extremely tired and she still pulled through and made an amazing dish so she continued to push herself and to have hope yeah yeah and play through an injury it seemed Yes, yeah, she also like has bad ankles and knees, which is a large portion of your leg. Um, and then, and then she was like, "I just don't want to hurt myself, so I can't cook because people aren't counting on me." I mean, today, like especially in Last Chance Kitchen, Karen won me back a hundred percent. So I had never, I had not been a big fan of Karen, and I, I am a big fan now. So good for her. Um, also, I generally felt bad for how tired everybody was, but the one thing I loved about the immediate Last Chance Kitchen was when Tom took off his jacket and put on his his chef's coat and said, I've got it from here, guys, and sent Padman Gale away and then immediately oh, started yeah. its <laughs> own was, web show. That was super fun. Also, just seeing like non-exhausted Lisa just be like, oh, I'm in a good mood. And Karen <laughs> and Edie just being like, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will uh, say, like, also peanut gallery, sterling work. I think vacation yes. peanut gallery mode Jen Carol is, like, my favorite so Jen. Oh, she, yeah. Oh, when, and, like, when she's also, like, kind of looking out for cooking things and seeming like she's, like, not trying to hurt people. She's trying to help people a little bit. It's really fun. I really loved it. Everyone's just super supportive. And, yeah, like, when, when, Jen was, when Jen was enjoying her pranking, uh, I think that was really yeah. fun also. Yeah. Also, the family meal for just saying, hey, we're going to do a family meal. People like everyone looked like they really felt community and family there. It really worked. Yeah. Uh, I can say from working in restaurants, like sometimes family meal is very just like procedural and you just like shovel food into your mouth. But like there, on some nights when like everyone's having a good time, family meal can be a very good thing. Like in the back of the house of like all the like front of the house and back of the house, just like scooping rice out of a giant like Tupperware uh it, it 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 i don't know it it made me think about working at pf chang's and feeling a little misty oh I, I love that and i i definitely felt I, i've heard about family meal i've never worked in a restaurant but i've heard about it so many times and it is something that i it sounds really magical and so to have them do it and have them get into it so much it clearly is a thing that has meant a lot to all of them at one point and they just really lived it and did it and i think it was awesome that's um, poignant to think about now in particular for sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, right now, they're all shoveling rice out of a Tupperware onto their screens on Zoom. <laughs> it's not as beautiful. Um, yeah. So anyway, that was fun. And Karen is back on the show. And um, almost sadly, Nini is back in Last Chance Kitchen with a chance to win her way back from Last Chance Kitchen. So a lot more... Uh, a lot more cooking coming up for everybody. This is an interesting way that this is going. Um any final thoughts or bold predictions as we're on our way out? Kyle, did you have one more thing? Uh, no, I mean, I, the only bold prediction I have based on the preview of next week is that Malarkey's restaurant is going to just be flooded with millennials. <laughs> because they can't get enough of that Shrek character from oh the TV. God. It's oh a classic God. Gen Xer not understanding the difference between millennials and Gen Z. That's yeah. so true. And also, it sounded like he pitched a restaurant equivalent of quibby like it had that level of just not understanding what people want but trying to be cool it was so awful seeming oh i mean i think alex i'm guessing since shrek has been in every movie you've ever seen uh like you'd probably be down yeah (laughs) yeah it's the donkey i like (laughs) alex is a millennial 
technically. Yeah, I am. I am tech, the oldest millennial allowed by law. I'm and pretty sure no one's going to say, but everyone's going to feel this is Top Chef, not Top Marketing Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie Seymour. I'm interested in the other stuff that you have to do to be a chef. I like when they dip into it a little bit. I like their jarred products. Um, but I think it sucks that since Malarkey does a terrible sales pitch for all his dishes, he was now given an easel and allowed to continue. <laughs> and like, a couple of beads. Like, looking at... Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, but I'm curious, though, because you know they love to throw in some wild edits and those commercial things case in point how they tried to make us think that kevin would ever tell nini to fuck off in the kitchen oh yeah <laughs> this episode uh, yeah. i think we all know valerie's husband would never do that yeah. yes he would never valerie esquire's husband uh yeah it, uh well if those things happen uh we will definitely talk about it next week and i just basically we're all just biding our time until tom hanks is here so thank you everybody for listening to our bittersweet symphony uh and we will be back next week talking about more top chef um thanks for hanging out with me megan thank you coming up with our show title this week so so awesome um uh, thanks for joining us as and sarah and it sounds like maybe frozen 2 wrapped up just, yeah, it's just almost about. there yeah we're we're just, we're just about to destroy a dam i think well, I hope they get unfrozen or whatever they want. Um, yeah, that, that was that's part of it. You want to be thawed? Is that the goal? I mean, Great. Um, Got to get unfrozen. That is part of it. Yeah. yeah. So is the third season or the third movie just called Diluted? Uh, oh. Puddle. <laughs> all melted into their drink anyway um not a great joke also uh thanks for being here chris and tanya sure thing boopity doopity boopity doopity <laughs> you all <laughs> and sarah and kyle thanks for hanging out with us boy bye boy bye <laughs> boy hello all right well everybody get your verve on we'll talk to you next week bye